What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Free Kick Fantasy W Podcast. I'm your host, Jono, and joining me today are two of my co-hosts, Liam and Will. Hey, everyone. Hello. Now, we are exactly one month away from the AFL season starting. How exciting. Keen as mustard. My AFL, AFL men's fantasy is going terribly, and I love AFLW, and I love AFLW fantasy, so it couldn't be better. Oh, I'm so excited. I love the AFLW season, so to have two in one year this this year is, oh, Christmas has come early. Yeah, it's great to see that all the news articles are starting to be pumped out. You can see all the training sessions have started, uh, getting those little tidbits from, from Sarah Black. It's, uh, it's fascinating. Today is a very big day for the podcast as we are kicking off with our preseason series, 18 Clubs in 18 Days. We're going to be talking through all of the AFLW teams in the competition, first through the 14 existing teams, and then the brand new four expansion teams joining the AFLW for the first time in season seven. Part of our reason for doing this is one really difficult thing when starting a fantasy side for a league you may never have played before, or even if you have, you've only played one season, is you need a breakdown of every single club to not only figure out who's in your starting side, but also who might be your upgrade targets, who's injured and therefore going to be underpriced, who's got a changed role. These are all things that are going to be super important to fill out your side. And the other really important thing for this is for a lot of people, you won't just not know the relevant players. You might not know any of the players. So one of the things we want to do for this is we want to really give a good overview of the entire team, not just the fantasy relevant players. We'll obviously be focusing mostly on the players that are fantasy relevant. We'll also be bringing up a few players that while they're less fantasy relevant, still interesting to hear about. We're going to talk about players that you've probably heard of before, but who aren't fantasy relevant. So ones where you know their name because you probably heard them in, AF, let's say you've heard them in the wider media or in AFL men's media, but are fantasy irrelevant and are a trap. Do you want to give us a, an example of who that might be? Oh, a perfect example is someone like Darcy Vessio, in my opinion. Someone who is a gun, kicks bags of goals, but the problem is, plays in a side that struggles to kick goals consistently, and there are going to be a lot more relevant options out there. I believe that was a trap that you almost fell in at the start of last season. You had Vessio to start with. Oh, 100%. They are someone who was a top 15 averaging forward at the time. Bang. A name I recognise. Perfect. Go straight into my team. It was only after I was walked back away from the ledge that was a fantasy scoring cliff that I realized that this kind of content is the stuff we need. Yeah. Looking at the starting teams from last year, it was such a struggle just trying to go through and pick out players that I wanted in my team. And I imagine a lot of, a lot of different coaches are going to be having the same troubles this year. And that's not to say that, you know, if we list a player as fantasy relevant or fantasy irrelevant, that you can't just bring them into your side and start with them. Uh, but, you know, at, at least when you have to go in knowing exactly what, what kind of role they play in the team and, and, and going with expectations on what we want from them. So, look, I'm, I'm really excited to get stuck into it. Uh, and today we're going to start the series off with the reigning premiers themselves, the Adelaide Crows. Will, do you want to jump in and just give us a bit of a run through of their time in the competition? Absolutely. So the Adelaide Crows were one of the inaugural teams which entered the competition 
In the first season of AFLW, way back in 2017, the Crows have been the most successful team throughout the competition's history. They've won three of the five grand finals so far, winning the first ever grand final in 2017, their second in 2019, and we're also the current reigning premiers, as we said, winning the season six grand final. They also were runners-up in 2020, so they've made four out of the five grand finals. So they're a very, very successful team. Uh, they're helmed by Matthew Clark, who's coached the team since the 2019 season. And he's led them to a grand final in every single season that he's been in charge, with the exception of the 2020 season that was cancelled due to the pandemic. Chelsea Randall is their captain, and she has skipped the Crows throughout the entire lifespan of the club. And the inspirational defender will captain the club once again into season seven. Yeah, as you point out, Will, they're a very, very successful side. And God, like any other successful side, you can see they've got a lot of fantasy gems for us to be picking up on. So very excited to be talking through their players. Uh, let's do this from a line-by-line perspective, uh, starting with defense. I think that might be the way to, to go about this. So do you want to tell us a little bit about their defenders? So the reigning premiers, the Crows have consistently had a very strong team throughout the competition. So they're led by their dual All-Australian fullback, Sarah Allen, as well as their courageous skipper, Chelsea Randall. They're mostly intercept marking defenders, but they've also got some really good run and pace off half off halfback in the form of Eloise Jones and Stevie Lee Thompson, uh, who can provide that run and carry and the line breaking ability. Interesting enough, Stevie Lee Thompson is actually a former um, league leading goal kicker award winner. So shows the versatility that they have in that back line. Steve Lee Thompson, she is a very fantasy relevant player. So she was listed as a forward last year, but we're expecting this coming season she's going to be in defense. That would be a very good, solid average for a defender there. Yep, had a career high average of 55 last year. Uh, really helped by the fact that Adelaide do a lot of kick marks across that half back line. So her and Eloise Jones really benefited from that uncontested marking game. And also the handball receives. Both of them were key players that got the ball on the wing and kicked it long towards their forward line. Yeah, Stevie Lee Thompson, if she came out and averaged 56 again this year, that would put her as a, as a top 10 forward. I would say, though, that the player that I think is more interesting is Eloise Jones, who takes a lot more marks and is definitely seen as a link in the chain of halfback. The only query that I've got for both of these players is they see 0% midfield time which in the fantasy game is the primo thing you want from every single player. As many players as possible in your team, you want them running through the midfield. The big thing with with Eloise Jones and Stevie Lee Thompson, last year, good averages, but some hyper inconsistent games. Eloise Jones was on a tear to begin the season, was a very, very popular player to bring in. But by the time it got towards the back end of the season, she threw up some 30s just because Adelaide dominates the ball doesn't go in the other team's defense, other team's attack. So she doesn't get the ball enough. And I would also say that there were some games where she was playing very, very deep defender. And if the ball isn't down there, you can't score. And the same goes for Stevie Lee. That's one of the things, the inconsistency in Eloise Jones was also, she was actually thrown around the field a bit. She did spend a little bit of time on the wing. She even did move back into that sort of half forward role, even though very good player. If you're playing in a position where you're not really getting those easy disposals, it makes it hard to rack up the fantasy points. So to me, that means we've, we've really just got two questions we've got to answer here. One is, is she going to be permanently in defence in this coming season, do we reckon? Well, it's hard to say because one of one of the reasons Adelaide is such a good team is because they're versatile. They can have players who play in defence when needed, in the forward line when needed, 
which makes this a very hard question to answer. It's the same for Stevie Lee Thompson. It's even the same for Chelsea Randall, who's played a bit of her career across half forward is sometimes they're playing deep defense. Sometimes they might be across half forward and really it depends. It's a need. It's a need to basis for Adelaide. So it's a question that we probably won't be able to answer until early on in the season. I would say the, there are only three things you can lock in for Adelaide. Sarah Allen defence, Marinoff and Hatchard in the middle. Outside of that, even Ash Woodland, who won leading goal kicker last year, former halfback. Yeah. Who knows where she's going to play this well, year? We can see could be anywhere. We can see that that's exactly the case because Stevie Lee Thompson, as we've said, former leading goal kicker, now playing cross halfback. So they, they, it's, it's their greatest strength, which is their ability to play players across the, the park, but it makes it very hard for fantasy. Well, that is infuriating as a fantasy coach. My goodness. <laughs> All right. So second question I have, if Eloise Jones does play in defense, right, is the ball going to go back there at all? Because Adelaide last year started a little bit slow, but as you're saying, Liam, when they were, when they were up and going, the ball's not going in the back line. I, I mean, aside from Aaron Phillips leaving, I'm not really seeing too many reasons why they wouldn't go ahead and be a very good shot at a fourth premiership in five years. Well, I think I think one of the, the things that might help Eloise Jones actually playing down back is that they've lost um, Justine Mules to Port Adelaide, who did play a fair bit of that small defender role. So they do have somewhat less defensive options back there, which may mean that these players get a bit more time in defense. The way Adelaide play, the kick mark style, so they average, I think, pretty sure more marks than any other team in the competition suits these players. So even if it's not getting back there deep in defense, they are likely to still get some kick marks across that half back line just as part of their um, setting up play to get it forward. Coming into this season seven, you've now got Eloise Jones, who we're going to expect is going to be priced at about 60, and Stevie Lee Thompson is going to be priced at about 56, which I think this is the first time we're introducing this concept. Uh, essentially, when we're talking about players that you're priced that number, the idea is you want someone who's going to be averaging higher than the number that they started their average at for the last season. My question is, would you expect that Eloise Jones or Steve Lee Thompson are going to increase their average in season seven? I would be more confident on Stevie Lee Thompson increasing that average, but not by much. I think it's the sort of thing where both of them will probably average around about that 60 mark for the year. So it really depends on how they're priced and how the rest of your, your squad will structure as to whether you think they're viable options. I would say the only one that I would probably look to own would be Eloise Jones, and it's not in my starting side. It's towards the back end of the year, potentially if there's a really good run to finish against some easier matchups or matchups where defenders score a lot of points. As a potential point of difference because I don't anticipate that you would be particularly highly owned. Mm. Having that full price, you know, where they're, they're going to be averaging exactly what they're priced at, that's that's not the value you really want at the start of the season. But a 60 average from a defender is pretty good. So I'm, I'm actually going to throw a bit of a curveball here and say there's actually another defender that we've talked about briefly, but one that I think actually may provide a bit of value, which is the skipper Chelsea Randall. So we haven't really we really talked about her because she does play a lot more of that tall defending role, which typically isn't as uh, fantasy friendly. But one of the things about Chelsea Randall is last year, she had a career low average of 35, injury affected year. Belize a previously very consistent scorer. She actually has a career average of 59, which is lowered a bit by that 35 average. So at only 30 years old, she could be a, a value pick in that back line, depending on how they use her once again. Adelaide, lots of versatility, could end up in the forward line, could end up in the midfield, who knows? But it could be a value pick if you want to take that gamble because she will be priced at a fairly low price point. I completely understand what you're saying, but 
if you look at the general trend in her season average scores, it's dropped off pretty precipitously with becoming a full-time defender. And as much as we say the players are very versatile, I would say the only spot that an older player is not going to play in this Adelaide side is in the midfield. They have two prime age superstars and then many other players who can run through there who are younger. Their defense is exceptional. I don't see them trying to change up the skeleton of the team, those key position players. I don't anticipate that changing. And I tend to agree with you there. I think it's one of those things where you're taking the gamble on a a cheaper price player who may be able to score highly in that Adelaide defense. It's a high risk, high reward situation. You could be picking a player who averaged 35 and will end up averaging mid fifties, make that money and trade up. Or you could just be getting a player who will continue to average around 40. So it's definitely a risk, but I think it's one of those ones where if we're talking about potential money makers, that's probably your better option. But I think there are better options across other teams that we'll talk about it in later podcasts. So she's a very good player, Chelsea Randall, and can average in those higher higher ranges, but it's definitely a risk. I think it's a risk with very limited likelihood of payoff. The, The sugar hit of those super high scores potential, it's just if Adelaide is playing against a bad team, the key defenders aren't going to be near the ball. If they start up playing against Melbourne and Brisbane and some of these other teams that we're expecting to have a good year, it could be worth as a starting pick. I agree. And I think I think a good player that we'll talk about a bit more to compare to is Libby Birch, who we saw last year go in with a very low average, wasn't expected to be a high scorer, but ended up starting the year as a very effective intercept defender who averaged way above what we were expecting. Again, no, no guarantee to happen. And I think it's definitely a risk that I probably wouldn't take, but it's one I would consider. I had the same thought on Libby Birch and just went quickly having a look at her stats. If you look at the trend line of her scores, she's a you know career 50 average player. And outside of 2021, every single score was below 40 bar one due to a role change and also coming off what appeared to be an injury. To then come back and average 60 fits with the general progression of her scoring throughout her career. I don't, I think, and you look at Chelsea Randall, it is a steep, steep and steady decline. I completely understand what you're saying, but Libby Birch was that cheap. I also, can score 60s. I would also agree with you there because the thing about it is Adelaide's squad, by being developed from their initial squad in 2017, has reduced their reliance on Chelsea Randall as that superstar player, which is why you're right. It's unlikely that she'll continue to score those super high scores because they don't necessarily need her to. She's no longer that key cog because their whole team has been built around her. Yeah, look, one one to watch, I reckon. But let's let's move on to Adelaide midfielders because this is where we're going to see some big value this year. Well, big big scores at the very least. Absolutely. And you're hard-pressed to find a better one-two midfield combination, especially in terms of fantasy scoring, than Ebony Marinoff and Anne Hatchard. Both of them were some of the highest-scoring players of the last couple of years. Uh, Ebony Marinoff in particular averaged 102 last year, but more importantly, has a career average of 96. So all throughout her career has been racking up those fantasy points. Game's all-time leading disposal getter, also scores plenty of those plus four tackles. uh, And she also averages eight tackles per game. And so I'm going to pose this question to you guys. Ebony Marinoff, to me, is one of the only players who can match the great Kiara Bowers in terms of her scoring. Is she a lock to start? Or is she a player that you need to build towards throughout the season? Uh, unfortunately, I have to preface my answer with, I reckon the other player to own, to start your team with, if you're not going to start with Kara Bowers, is the other midfielder at Adelaide, and Hatchard. Don't get me wrong. I held Marinoff the entire year. Some of us decided to trade at some points throughout the year. 
we may discuss this at a, at a later point, but I feel very targeted. Yeah. Thank yeah. You, you should, yeah. You, you of all people should know exactly what you did wrong. <laughs> Extremely good player, but I don't see there being any value there. A player to target for sure. I don't think you, you, you made a bad choice if you pick her. I just think that there are better midfielders out there who I think will average more for their price. Sorry. I was yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, look, I disagree. I, I think she's almost essential to start with. Not, not guaranteed in my team just yet because it is, it is still very early days, but with the expansion sides coming in, I think we're going to have some quite cheap options in, in terms of rookies that are going to score well for us coming out of those clubs. And that means we can afford to pay up for these uber premiums, these these people who are going to score over 100 all year with great consistency. Um, my only hesitation is that she started quite slowly last year before, geez, coming home like a freight train. If she's going to start slowly again, then maybe there are better options. But that that's probably going to come down to fixture more than anything else in my mind. I think that's where Liam's point of Anne Hatchard, Anne Hatchard's ability to to rack up the marks. So they're different sorts of players. Hatchard was one of the leading mark players in the competition last year, which as a midfield is rather incredible, really. Her ability to, to cover the ground, take those marks, take contested marks as well, meant that she was really a pivotal part of that kick mark game for Adelaide. She averaged 103, Marinoff 102. So both of them are players that you're likely to want to get in your team by the end of the year at the absolute worst. I would say with Anne Hatchard, and the reason why I want to own her is there is one game where Anne Hatchard scored 37 after getting injured. That is now priced into her average of 103. She can easily go above 120s pretty consistently, but also was doing that whilst having an injured foot throughout the year, which she's talked about at the end of the season. I would say, based on that, coming off the injury and still being an elite scorer, being a younger player who takes a boat ton of marks, she's the player that I want in my team, almost above and beyond anyone else. Now that we're switching to a winter start in the season, is that going to affect marks? Because her scores at the start of the season were a lot higher than they were coming into the end of the season. And I'm wondering if that was weather dependent. It's an interesting point because if we get a lot more wet weather footy, you'd expect that the tackling players will be the players that will be the ones you want to target. And that is obviously Marinoff in this case. But I think I think Hatchard's versatile enough that she can continue to take those marks but also adapt to a more tackle game. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. I think the uncontested marks in particular are something that Adelaide will continue to rack up and Hatchard's a key part of that. I'd like to add to Liam's point by saying that 120 uh, scores by Anne Hatchard, she scored five of them last year. And one of her other scores was 119, so just short. So she's really got that high ceiling that you can go for. And in all reality, outside of a game for an injury-affected 37, her lowest score is 87, which is still a better average score than most other midfielders that you would otherwise have in your team. I see her as being just the player to have and only going to get bigger body, more endurance, because she's not even a particularly old player either. And She's an elite player that I want in my team. Because, yeah, I suppose I suppose the comparison we'll make here with Marinoff is Marinoff had less 100 scores. She only scored 104 times last year. But of those 200 scores, two of them were over 140. So you've got a much higher ceiling on Marinoff, but it gets hit less likely. And that's, I guess, the the cost benefits that you need to do with choosing between these two players if that's a choice that you're trying to make. 
I, I think whichever of these two you start with, if you start with them, they're they're definitely going to be a captaincy choice for you every week, and that's yeah, consistency of ceiling is a is a pretty handy thing for your captain. Absolutely, and I, I would like to also throw in with Ed Marinoff. Ed Marinoff actually has the highest ever AFLW fantasy score, scoring one hundred and fifty nine in a prelim final. It's just so much. It's so much to rack up in that shortened game time. Looking at her scores, though, you see the big determinant is what we were discussing earlier, which is tackles. In a score of 140, 10 tackles. In a score of 147, 16 tackles. In a score of 121, 12 tackles. If she's on her game and tackling everything that moves, she is like a, be- a better scorer than Kiara Bowers, which is tough to say because she also supplements that by being one of the most kick dominant players in the kind of uber premium level midfielders. If we see more wet weather footing, more tackles going on, particularly through the preseason, I would be willing to change my opinion on who I would want over Hatchard between Hatchard and Marinoff. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I think her ability to rack up disposals and rack up kicks makes her a really, really high scoring player when she's on her game and, that where the footy is going to be a big determinant. But I, I agree with you, Jono. You could go with either of these players and you're going to be very happy with them throughout the year. Are there any other Adelaide midfielders that we should be discussing, Will? So in terms of fantasy scoring, those two are clearly the main ones you're looking at. The only other fantasy relevant mid for Adelaide last year was the great Aaron Phillips, who is now at Port Adelaide. They've had a, a bit of change through there. player coming from West Coast will be Irishwoman Neve Kelly, who will start on a wing. Hasn't had a huge amount of big scoring games in the past, but you wonder if moving into the Adelaide system, more kick marks on offer, whether she might be a value pick. But for now, I reckon you'd be focusing on those big two. Great. Well, why don't we jump into the forward line then? Ashley Woodland took out the goal-kicking award last season, in season six, and was averaging pretty well as a, as a forward. I mean, she was in the fantasy game listed as a midfielder. We're expecting that to be switched up this season. Are we expecting the same from her or are we expecting that to be switched back to being a goal kicker? Yeah. Steve Lee Thompson, previously leading goal scorer as a small forward, but now we've got Ash Woodland up forward who's playing more of that uh, tall forward mark kick role. So I, I would expect her to be the main target up forward for Adelaide once again. With Adelaide, they're a, a high scoring team because they're so good across the field. So Woodland's one of those players that you can always consider because there's definitely chances for her to score well. But generally speaking, you're probably not looking at very high scores. You're probably looking at consistent scores. For example, across uh, three weeks late in the season, she scored 57 three weeks in a row. And she only had a high score last year of 87 in one game against North Melbourne. Other than that, she only passed 60 once. So I wouldn't be looking at her as a starting forward option. If she has a very good start to the year, she's an option to upgrade to. I don't. I, I can't really see any other Adelaide forwards that I would want, and I've been kind of surprised that they've managed to keep their list together. So few players have have crossed over to Port Adelaide compared to what I suppose we're all predicting coming into the off season. Yeah, absolutely, they've lost a bit of experience to uh, Port Adelaide, which, from a fantasy point of view, is probably a good thing. Uh, it means that they're getting young possible chances for young players such as first-round draft pick Keely Customan, who will probably play a bit off the half-back line as well. But yeah, the, the main core of the Adelaide team has stuck together, which gives them the consistency to continue to be a good team. What will the loss of Aaron Phillips really do? Because they do have, obviously, a lot of 
experience there, which they've lost. But they're actually, they've been around the AFLW for as long as any other team. A lot of success, a lot of great leaders in that team. I mean, it'll affect them, obviously. But I don't see it as stopping them winning a premiership or really affecting their chances of, of, of being one of the best teams this season. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I think that with Aaron Phillips going, it's hard to say that the losing the best player in the competition isn't going to affect the team. But they're such a strong unit as a team that players such as um, Hannah Button, Tia Charlton, um, Rochelle Martin, across that midfield and half forward line are just going to slot in there and, and, and take that slack up. So I wouldn't see it as, as a factor that would count them out from a premiership for sure. Will, who is going to replace... Aaron Phillips is goal kicking. I think that's going to be something that will, that they'll spread the load is, is the answer to that. So they've got a number of really good small forwards. For example, you could throw Stevie Lee Thompson back there, but uh, Rochelle Martin and Daniel Ponter are two of the best small forwards in, in the competition. And those are the ones that you'd look at to, to take up that slack. You've also got young players such as uh, Lisa Whiteley, who really had a good end to last year. May not, maybe not as a fantasy player, but definitely as an AFLW player. So there's definitely players that can take up that slack. And once again, Phillips did play a bit through the midfield, which means that players like uh, Irish Considine, the incoming Neve Kelly, will basically be the ones that will take up that midfield minutes as well. So I think it's going to be a, a team effort to cover the former, the former Adelaide superstar who is now at the Crosstown Rivals. The one name that interests me a little bit as a potential replacement for scoring is Daniel Ponta, who is a relatively consistent player, but has potential to go big, has a high score of 89 last year. If she can bag an extra goal a game or a few extra marks, someone potentially worth otherwise owning, given she'll have a pretty low average. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And one of, one of the games I want to bring forward in terms of the stats for Daniel Ponta is her game last year against GWS. Only scored 69 points, but kicked six behinds. Six behinds. If that those start being put into goals, you've got a player there who can really push up into that higher average as a forward. Yeah, I did. I did watch that game. She was on fire. Uh, she can also take a mark, which I was impressed by last season. Um, it's going to be tougher and wet with a footy, but that's that's definitely a helpful indicator filling out that stat line. For sure, she's she's one of the most naturally talented players, not just on Adelaide's list, but in the competition. And one of the, the really good things about her as a potential fantasy option is she's still only 22. She's got youth on her side and will just keep getting better. I suppose that's covering the whole ground then on uh, the Adelaide team summary. Um, I'm sorry, the rucks don't exist, Jono? All right, we're gonna, we can go back and chat the rucks. That's, that's fair. <laughs> Tell us about the rucks here, Lynn. Oh, you've rather caught me, uh, <laughs> caught me out here. <laughs> Look, I can see rucks this year being a little bit more relevant than last year, just given we're going to get wet with a footy, more ruck contests. You'd probably see a spike in hitouts, which is handy. You're not going to see an uptick in marks. You're not going to see an uptick in disposals, I would have thought. There might be more tackles going around. I think we've got a fairly fully priced ruck in Caitlin Gould. I agree. And Caitlin Gould was a really good player for Adelaide last year, taking over that first ruck mantle from the injured round Metcalf. In terms of fantasy scoring, nothing particularly amazing. Average in the in the fifties. So I think in terms of the fantasy game, she's a player that I would quite comfortably say you can you can ignore. I think this year for rucks, you're either going to be going much like in the other positions, absolute top prices, or you're looking for value in your expansion teams and in your lower price players. I think the big thing we learned from last year was 
it's very difficult to try and find the kind of mid-level ruck who becomes an elite ruck. There's a very established set at the top and then a lot of junior players who are coming through because a, a lot of the way these rucks come to AFLW is via basketball first. And so probably spend a few extra years in the system, playing on the bench, get a little older. A lot of them play VFLW in the off-season prior to playing. And that translates to a lot of rookie-priced players. So I know I gave Jono shit for not caring about the rucks, but there's maybe only two players who you might own uh, who are fully-priced rucks. And I, outside of that, I reckon there's a few going to be a few excellent rookie options who will get the opportunities, and that's all you really need. You need a player-priced at 20 to score 50. It's going to be very hard to find Caitlin Gould to go from a 55 to a 70 just because. Yeah, I think I think what we would be asking Caitlin Gould to do if she was to score 85 is just way over and above what we're asking any ruck in the AFLW to do. It's it's just not not realistic, as good as she is. You're, you're really better off looking for, for either a super value player in either the expansion pool or as a young player, or you're looking for your absolute superstars. Is there anything you guys want to add in before we before we wrap this up? I think that's pretty much covered it. We've talked on how they've lost some of their, their experience to Port Adelaide in the form of superstar Aaron Phillips, as well as veterans uh, and following Justin Mules. But with the inclusion of uh, Irish winger Neem Kelly from the Eagles and the way that this team has been able to keep that core together, there's no reason why they can't continue to be both really good fantasy options for us and also a premiership contender. The big choice you're going to make this year is between the two Adelaide midfielders. And a lot of it's going to come down to how does Adelaide's game style look in wet weather footy? And that will almost certainly dictate a lot of your team construction because they will be very expensive, but they will be a captain option every week. So it's is it Marinoff or is it Hatchard? Or is, is there a chance it's or both? It, yeah. It could be both if you don't go Bowers. But yeah. which is something we're definitely going to have to talk about later on. But for now, Hatchard, Marinoff. Get your thinking cap on because both of them are very, very good options for you. Well, that might do us for our first club overview. If AFLW Fantasy sounds like the game for you, go to aflwfantasy.com.au or just Google AFLW Fantasy to sign up today. We're going to be releasing our next club, which is the Brisbane Lions, tomorrow. We've got our best 21s as well for the Adelaide Crows up on our socials today. So you can look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to follow us at Free Kick Fantasy W Podcast. You can feel free to shoot through any questions you may have about the club. I'm on Twitter at Odds and Steven. I'm on Twitter at LMTom1. And I'm on Instagram at WillH underscore VI. Looking forward to chatting the Brisbane Lions tomorrow in our 18 Clubs in 18 Days series. Have a good day, everyone. I'm looking forward to chatting tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.